Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and with me this week is Matt Patrick. Really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time out of your schedule to listen to us blabber on about some things that we find to be important. We're going to talk today about uh, um, something that we have gone through here recently and, and really kind of go through on a repeatedly basis. That is what it looks like to develop and uh, bring up that next round of leadership so that you know the growth that we're experiencing can be continued, also setting ourselves up for future um, future success. And uh, hopefully it's going to be a good conversation. And you'll be able to take away some things that are applicable to your organization in uh, ways at which you can implement some of these ideas uh, on your own. So Matt, in order to get us started, we have to ask our icebreaker and uh, spend a little bit of time talking about who knows what. So icebreaker for the day, what was your favorite class in school? Did you even go to school? I did a long time ago. You dropped out like third grade, is that right? I, I did. Right? Florida, we live to go to tour 12, so we're good. Yeah. Um, no, I, obviously, I'm like, probably like most young boys, I liked PE and lunch were my first two favorites. But actually, I've always enjoyed math. Um, and then, um, I I always liked my history classes. I had when I had I had a couple of years of really good history teachers. Um, Mr. Walker, are you out there? I enjoyed you. Um, good good class. Uh, he taught me U.S. history and Western or like Western Civ, but whatever. How old were you then? I had ninth, I had him for ninth and tenth grade, and he also did geography with him. So I did uh, three yeah. three years with him. So history, history and history math probably wasn't him. What was your time. least favorite subject? Spanish was awful. I not do it in Spanish. I hate writing. High school, I assume. High school Spanish. Uh, was not a big fan of English. I like to read. I like that part, but I did not like like writing papers and that kind of stuff. It was not my grammar is not your strong suit. Yeah, still not. Nor speaking intelligently. What's an adverb? What's the difference between an adverb and an adjective? Adverbs have ly at the end. Is all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> an adjective describes something. Yeah. See, describes a noun. I didn't say I didn't get good a... grades, and I just I didn't like it. No, I was I was a I was a pretty good student in high school, and I was a really good student in college. But how about you? I enjoy, I, of course, math. Um, I I always I like to do things that I'm good at, and I was <laughs> always good at math, and so I enjoyed math. So you went to seminary? I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did a lot of math there. <laughs> we had to count all the books of the Bible. That's right. Um, I I, I enjoyed science. How many books? Fifty-two books. Sixty-six. Uh, I enjoy what denominations that no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Depend, yeah, depends upon which Bible you have. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, I, I also enjoyed science, uh, chemistry stuck out. I, I really enjoyed chemistry. I, enjoyed chemistry. I took, uh, I had Miss Luster at Bolton high school, uh, for my 11th grade year. And she was a phenomenal chemistry teacher. I Did enjoyed, uh, it, you know, I, I like balancing chemical equations. This is such a nerdy <laughs> it's, thing. It's math, it, but it is yeah, math. It's kind of, it's yeah. kind of mathish, Uh, and so I enjoyed that. I hated biology though. I so hated biology too. Not all science. Um, I had. I liked physics. I liked physical science. I, I met my wife in chemistry class in college. Really? Yeah. I never took physics. I took physics in high school. I liked it. We had to like you know drop an egg from off the bleachers and see if it broke, and we made model airplanes. In high school, you did that. Yeah, it was pretty neat. My kids did that in like fourth grade. Yeah, but we had to like build something ourselves. So oh, no, you didn't. Your your, your parents. You you did. You, and you I I thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> you built it for your kid. I think it was fourth or fifth grade. It made bubble wrap. But Cameron came home and was like, "All right, we got a project to do." And, and you it said, was, and you did a project for him to drop an egg. And I got into this so much. And uh, uh, did you use bubble wrap? 
No, I didn't. You so the, the, the rolls were you can you had to have a window for you could see the egg. You have to be able to see the egg from the outside. You can use rubber bands. You can use straws, and you can use I think a tissue box. Yeah, but not like the actual just a tissue box. Um, and that was it. That's, that's so the you, only you suspension. You, you use suspension with rubber bands, and yeah, I created such a cool little caddy. The, <laughs> the rubber bands and then the um, the straws were going to give it some flex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't create it rigid. You know, you did engineering. You did really good on that project. My what was your grade on that project? I did. I did. I, I I nailed that one. Yeah. <laughs> I got an A in third grade science. I, I love crushed stuff like it. That. I did too. Um, it's like Lego. I like Legos, and I, I like. Yep. I I don't I don't like them. I they're okay now. Just they're so big. I have so many adult Lego sets. That's my when and fifteen five. I saw it. We I saw always it, your post. the hobby, the task, or the. Thing I like doing Legos. I do. I love building. Even Millennium Falcon. I don't. I'm not a big Star Wars fan. Yeah. What's your biggest one? Uh, we have the Disney Castle, which is yeah. My my kids do that one. Pretty big. Um, I do all the cars, so I have you know all the big cars. Uh, I like it because nothing in my life has an instruction Mindless. book. Oh, and Legos have an instruction book. Step one, step two, step three, step eighty nine. You're done. And I really like just you like to IKEA. Chill out. The, uh, I do like IKEA. I their instruction book sucks. I do not <laughs> think that they're that bad. Oh. Yeah, you must speak Swedish or whatever they like put them in. Guten Tag. Broken broken English is good. It's like they have you, pictures of like little cartoon characters. I hate all that stuff. I, I like building. I like putting stuff together, but not that. Yeah, <laughs> math, chemistry, probably my favorite subjects. I also like. I like. I did not like history. We did um, world religions in senior my senior <laughs> high school. That was really cool. I uh, like that class. You went to a private school, right? I did all we, through high school. Yeah, we had you know it was Christian um, based curriculum, and so I had world religions, which was a pretty cool class. The same teacher taught us economics. We did. We had a little business. This was my senior year of high school. We had half the year's economics, half the year was world religions. Yeah. Doesn't, uh, maybe that's not true. Half year world religions. We had another, the same teacher taught both classes though. Yeah. But it was great. I liked that. We did junior, we did a junior achievement thing at that point and learned how to create a business and had a little, we sold like jelly beans or something. I don't yeah. know. It was cool. I had fun. I never got to do that. I did see other people get that got to do that. I was always a little bit jealous that they got yeah. to kind of create their own or even like the, um, there's like an invest investing yeah, project we, that you yeah can we did do that through. too. Junior Achievement had that too. Was it Junior Achievement? Yeah, mm-hmm. I never got to do that, and I was always jealous. I took good fake. I like fake twenty thousand dollars invested in the stock market, right. and then I, you know, I think I lost all my. You bought all your I, Bitcoin, I, I, and then I, I didn't buy all the Bitcoin. <laughs> then I should have should have put it all on Apple and see how that worked out. Apple, yeah, I don't know. If, Apple was doing okay at that point. Yeah. So. Yeah, I uh, I took accounting my junior senior that. year of high school and did really well on that. Um. I don't know why it was more of a personal finance type class, uh, but it was, it was really good. They should do a class like that more often in high school. I think they have like a basic personal finance class. Some schools do like where you learn how to balance a checkbook and understand about interest. What a checkbook is. Yeah. What, 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 what what do people used to use those for? Cause that's not what we just had to reorder checks just like two, two weeks ago. No, personally, (laughs) personally. Um, and man, I write like f- two checks a month and I really hate, I write those. zero. Meredith writes like four or five. Yeah, we, we write. Yeah. And, and mine are usually tied to a repairman at the house. I mean, even then I hate exactly. I like, can I just pay with your credit card? I think our pest people take a check. Emma's tuition takes a check. And then just the random, all right, we got to join PTO. And <laughs> yeah. 
Can I just, Ven- can I just Venmo PTO? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> PTA, PTA, whatever it is. Yep. Yep. So anyway, school's fun. Everybody Everybody's back stay at in school. school. Everybody's back at school. Yep. New routines for everybody right now. Good, going on? good month in or so uh, with getting back into school, getting back into the rhythm of, of life in the fall. And uh, part of that is always, uh, this is always a period of time that's kind of a bit of a rejuvenation. If you think about 1-1, everybody's coming up with New Year's resolutions. What's new? What's going to happen? Everybody's kind of get back into the routine. I always find that the fall is another time in which that happens. And part of that, on some level, is you start to think about, from a business perspective, what the next um, semester or quarter or you know half year, whatever your terminology is, um, is going to look like. And normally with that, there's some type of training development who's going to be responsible for what conversations that are going to take place. Um, and so that's my attempt at segueing into, we're going to talk about what that looks like whenever you have a layer of leadership. Um, we're going to say managers, leaders, you can use those interchangeably for this conversation. I don't want to get too far into, you know, who's a manager, who's a leader, what's the difference, is there a difference, all that type of stuff. And so, in general, when we talk about managers or leaders uh, in today's conversation, I want you to think about that from the lens of we have somebody that's responsible for a department, a team, um, you know, a business unit, whatever terminology you guys use, uh, that's that's responsible for leading that piece of what's going on. And one of the things that we have found over time as we've grown and, uh, and had some different segmenting off of, of our uh, uh, organization is that having people in place to lead those different areas is critical. Like it will fail without it. Everything rises and falls on leaders. But identifying the people to take over those things, training them in a way to take over those things, releasing them in a way that they actually have uh, authority and autonomy to some level to to take over those things is not always difficult. So Matt, where I want to start us uh, in this conversation is as you started to identify a need for some some layers of leadership below you, where you, not everything was kind of rolling up into your into your desk. Um, what were some of the key things that you had to think about way early on in order to make that possible? Loss of control was very big. Like I think that was one one of the things I had to be conscious of that I'm that people aren't going to do it the way that I want to do it, and that doesn't mean it's wrong; it just means it's different. Um, and then. Trust. It's it's you know trust. It's trusting that they have the same intent and goal in mind at the end. And so once I felt that, and 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 I once I felt that, I kind of felt like I was able to get rid of the control problem. And that's still that's still a struggle today. But uh, the the more I get rid of that and trust people, the more they flourish. It's when I lose faith in them a little bit that I tend to back away. What does that look like for you? Whenever, whenever you start to, you know, is this really working right or whatever it may be? What does that look like? How do you identify that in yourself? I'm not like giving up control or just whatever you start to feel yourself. Hey, you know what? I I'm trying to jump in here and maybe I shouldn't or yeah, that's super challenging. Trust, that type of stuff. What, what does that look like? I, it's super challenging. I am a helper in nature. And I want to help them be successful in the role they're in. And sometimes me helping them isn't making them successful in the role they're in. Um, I use the example a lot of, you know, if your doctor gives you a, a diagnosis and then he turned around, 
he or she turned around and asked another doctor why you were in that room. Am I right? That that has a chance to lose credibility of the doctor in the room. Yeah. And and or if I'm jumping in, I automatically lose the you know, the credibility of the other people on the team. And so I have to let them be the leader. Um, if our team knows they can go around that leader to me and I maybe don't have that leader's back a hundred percent, that comes apparent really quick. And then also I've lost that leader. I can lose that leader pretty quickly. Um, it's super hard to know when to jump in and when not. And when you're helping you, when you're hurting, yeah, I find that to be a struggle. Yeah, um, that I, I would agree with that. That's always difficult. Whenever, you know, I, I see, especially because if you're if you're a good leader and you have good like vision, foresight type stuff, and like you know, this is not going a direction that ends well, and there's that hesitancy to man, I could is this an opportunity that I need to let it crash, mm-hmm. or is this an opportunity where I need Nudge to grab it. the steering wheel? Well, or is it an opportunity where I just need to jump in and kind of remind behind the scenes? That's difficult. It's a, it's a good analogy. You know, I'm taking palaces right now and I have an instructor in the seat next to me and we're doing, we're practicing landings. We are doing, you know, eight landings in an hour and I'm, he's so calm and I'm always like, am I doing this right? Am I going to do this right? Is he going to grab that wheel? Now, if he, I've seen, I've had it happen twice in the, two months that I've been doing lessons or they had to like, they grabbed the stick in a hurry and they, they didn't flinch. They didn't hesitate. It was just, it was a clear, this isn't, I've done something wrong in. that I didn't know I was supposed to do yeah. and they fixed it. But other than that, we're like landing and like, if I'm not exactly right, he'll just, Hey, check your attitude or check your, check your, you know, check, check your, this gauge. What's going on over here? What do you see here? And I'm like, if I was him, I'd be like, grab that wheel. Yeah. And it's the same kind of analogy where it's like, you know, if we have, if I see somebody going, mm, this is not going to end well, do I nudge them back to, hey, so we're, we're off of, you know, we're off of our heading by one degree, just to nudge it back in, or are we about to plummet to the ground and die? And so those are, <laughs> what's hard the severity? For you, correct. And it's hard for you to know as you go into that if it's, I, I want to nudge, but I also don't want them to fail. Yeah. Unless, Unless I intentionally want them to fail, like unless I want them to learn the lesson, I'm okay. Yeah. This is going to go bad. They need to fail here. And I would imagine for someone who does struggle with control issues, that it's easier. Your default, I would imagine, would be jump in. I'm going to jump, jump in. in and grab yeah. the reins and not let this thing go down. I want it to work. Yeah. I I want to help them, and if I think I can help them, why would I not help them? Yeah. But sometimes helping them is actually hurting them. So it's just a, it's a, yeah it's challenging. We've we've. And I have different leaders in different spots. So obviously you've been a leader with me now, probably the longest of our leadership group. And I very rarely jump into your space. And if I do, we've had a conversation well in advance and we probably already along the lines of the same alignment versus I have, let's say, you know, Kim, who is taking on a leadership role in the last couple of years and she's still learning in a lot of areas, but she's doing a great job, but there's areas that Hey, she doesn't have experience here. Do I want to jump in or do I want her to figure it out? Mm-hmm. So hard. It's, I find, I find it's it very difficult. I find it, it very challenging. I, I think that it's always important to remember that as the, I'll say the leader of the leaders, you always have the ability to jump in and take the reins. And wisdom is knowing when not to do that. And 
it for me, it is a constant reminder that being a leader means I have to continue to develop myself and my skills. Otherwise, I'm going to have an issue with actually letting my leaders be leaders uh, that are below me. And it's it's a constant reminder that, you know what, this is not a, a destination, but it is a journey that you have to continue on for all of forever. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And I struggle. Well, it's it's the, I want, I still want to have a purpose sometimes. And I have this 25 years of knowledge that I've made a bunch of stupid mistakes. I don't want people to make the same stupid mistake I made. And I want to help them be successful. And sometimes I'm afraid they don't want to ask for my help because they, they think that I don't have time or I'm busy or whatever. And I really want to jump in. So it's always that hard balance of trying to figure out when's the right time. Yeah. Um, it's, I, luckily, I think our leaders do a good job of telling me, A, it's time, I've got this, don't worry about it, or I need some help. And, and that makes it clearer for both of us. Yeah. Um, I do wish that people would say, hey, you're meddling get out of my space a little bit more. And I'd say, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ish. But then don't cry. <laughs> the, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the important part, whenever you start to develop those leaders below you that are going to take on different responsibilities is to have a very clear understanding of what their jobs are versus what your job is. And so, you know, if I'm going to have some, you know, let's pretend like I'm, you know, back to my, my, um, fictitious company, fictitious the, delicious, the baking, uh, oh. you know, the, the bakery. And if That's I, our name of our bakery, right? Fictitious delicious. It is yeah. going to be now, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, then, and if I own the thing, if I'm the CEO, president, founder, whatever you want to call me, this is my baby. And I've grown to the point where I have to start developing people below me or even putting them into positions below me. Then it is very important that I set them up for success, which means that it's a very clear description of what your responsibilities are versus mine. And so, whereas previous, I may be the one to cook all of the food. I also may be the one that has to jump in and sell the food sometimes. Those things don't go away simply because you have a layer of leadership below you. Now, they should reduce in their the time that, that you're doing those things, but leadership is servanthood. And so, if there's somebody that needs to get served at the front counter and there's nobody to do that, I got to jump in and do that. At the same time, I got to make sure that my head cook or whatever knows that primarily he's got to make sure, she's got to make sure that those cookies are getting are getting cooked. Um, and so having a clear understanding of, all right, you're going to be the back of house leader, manager, whatever you want to call them. That means that your job is to make sure that no matter what, we are cooking 186 cookies a day or 332 cupcakes or whatever your metrics are. You have to be very clearly understood that that is your pride. This is what we call a KRA. This is what winning is in your role. And you can't mess that up. And I can't be the person that jumps in. Hey, you've only cooked 87 cookies. I'll help me you go in and, and cook the other, other hundred. Sometimes I just got to let you fail and coach you up because you, you missed on, on what winning looks like in that role. Um, but sometimes as a servant leader, it's, hey, I know you need help to get 187 cookies a day. And I'm going to help you along with you to get 187 cookies today, whatever that number is. And like, that's where it's very difficult as a leader to know, am I, do I need to jump in? Cause you want my help or do you not want me to jump in and you let you fail or you got this? Like all those are very challenging. Yeah. You know, we have deadlines. And so like end of the day, if Sandy goes, I've got 200 tax returns to get done still. And we are a month away. And she goes, I do not have enough hands to do it. And I know in my back of my mind, I can grab 30 tax returns. 
Is it my role to jump in or go, Sandy, go figure out? Like that's that's the way I run into. That's the challenges mm-hmm. I run into. I, you know, to that point though, I think it is. There's a very clear difference between, hey, we have 200 to do and we're three months out, and I don't think we can get it done. And I'm raising my hand and saying, hey, I need some help because this is not going to hit. Correct. Versus, hey, it's due next week and we have a hundred left, two hundred left to go, and they're not going <laughs> to get done. You know what? I may have to jump in because failure in, in, in that exact example is not really an option in our world. Correct. But at the same time, you best believe there's a conversation coming that next day saying, you knew about this a month ago, six weeks ago at some point, and you waited until the last minute to raise your hand. And that is in no way whatsoever okay. And what are, what are we going to do next time this to make happen. sure that that does not ever happen again? Correct. And that's where the, it's the both sides of the coin to say, you know what? I need to jump in here because- this is a mission critical, it has to happen type of situation versus a, you know what, if we fall short by 20 cookies today, we'll, you know, we'll make 20 tomorrow and it's not. What happened today that caused us not to meet our goal? How can we fix that so it doesn't happen yeah. again? And, and, and that is part of the challenge. Identifying leaders was a, is a big part of this too and, and, and knowing that you have the right leaders to help you get to where you go or do you not have it yet and you need to keep that hat until it's time. That was, you know, as we've grown, I've released, you know, different hats and we've worn, like you've worn other additional hats. You know, you ran the, our sales and marketing team for a while until we found the next person to run that. And that became Shelby. And now Shelby runs it and she uses us as a sounding board, but she runs her team. But yet we still are involved in making and supporting her to help sure she's being successful in her team. Yeah. And I think that's where you start to see that the different layers of leadership start to play out their roles. whereas your role, you know, isn't really any longer jumping in. I mean, if it has to get done, it has to get done. But generally speaking, your role isn't jumping in to do tax returns. No. Your role now is kind of coaching that that person, in our case, Sandy, on her, what resources she has available to her or even equipping her with more resources if necessary to get the tax returns done. Correct. I. It's And, and that's, you know, if you're a solopreneur or you've even grown to the point where you need to start adding layers it's hard to flip that switch between I'm the tactical doer and now I have to be more of a strategic thinker because it's for a lot of people that does not happen naturally. And it takes a lot of work to, to perfect it's, that it's skill. challenge to get rid of. So this is going back to um, the, the myth, right? It's the, I'll say the doer versus the manager versus the owner and knowing which hat you have to wear when and when you're going to get rid of that hat. I think as you are growing your business, you're only as good as your ability to develop your leaders below you. And so I looked at it as, as we continue to grow, I, you know, we've gotten, we've gotten 30, you know, 30 odd, 34, I think today, people on a team. I couldn't have all 34 people reporting to me. Yeah. I also know that I'm not the best. I'm also not going to be leading our team to be as successful as I can because we've got I, I can't give them all That's the resources. Just one I, hat that you have to wear. I can't even, but I can't even give them all the resources they need in any one of those teams. So I had to say, okay, well, a lot of times I, I got, you know, Rick, Rick um, managed a lot of our sales and marketing efforts for a long time and he did a great job with it. But at some point, you know, I was still involved in that. You know, you've been running the payroll team for a, quite a while and you're developing leaders now under you. Mm-hmm. And so that's the next wave of how do we continue to grow? We have to, we have to keep developing the next wave of leaders so that we can continue to grow the way we want to grow. Yeah. And, you know, if if you don't really have any desires to grow a business, 
then this probably isn't a podcast that you're going to really get a lot out of. But I think the reality is if you want to, like you just said, if you want to grow a business, if you want to continue to scale up in size, whether that's well, you can revenue, get yourself, employees, or get yourself whatever, out of the day-to-day. Like or, it, you correct. may not want to grow it anymore. You just want to get yourself out of the day-to-day. You have to be able to backfill the leadership capacities or it's going to crumble. It's, it's that important of, a, of an issue. And so um, you mentioned, you know, one of the things that we are focusing on now is what does it look like to develop, you know, because this is something that's more, right, where are we going to be in five years? The vision type stuff, um, a strategy is what is it going to look like to develop that another tier of leaders, that's the leaders developing leaders that are developing leaders that are developing leaders type situation. And um, in a perfect world, if you could orchestrate, all right, this is the type of characteristics or these are some of the character qualities that a person would have that you would think, you know what, that's going to be a really strong person in your organization. What are some of those qualities and characteristics? This is easy, Mike. It's my five values. <laughs> no, I mean, it really is. I mean, um, our values are our guide. And yeah. so we've developed our values with the idea of this is what we think makes you successful here. And if you're successful here, I think you can be a good leader here. And so. I'll start with own it. You know, owning it is one of our primary values. It means it's, hey, I'm gonna make sure this stuff gets done and challenging it. I wanna make sure that our processes get reviewed on a regular basis to make sure that we're doing things the best way we can. Um, passion for our purpose. We know what we believe in and we know what we wanna do. We're all trying to go in the same direction. Team first, we put our team you know, around uh, a, a, as a priority over everything else we do. And empathy for others. We wanna walk in everybody else's shoes and make sure that we understand what they're going through so we can help them be successful. Those, those are our values. And so if we are coaching our people to live those values and we're coaching them to uh, um, treat their clients the right way and to, you know, do the work with those, those values in mind, they're going to be successful here. And that means they can be a good leader here. Yeah. What does it look like um, as you think about, you know, adding that layer that is going to be responsible for owning, in our world, owning it, where you know what, if there is an issue, they're going to, they're going to handle it fully. But even, you know, if there's not an issue and everything's going great, they're still actively owning things. Mm -hmm. So, and it kind of ties into that challenge to where everything's going great, but that doesn't mean that we're going to, you know, settle in on such a hard balance, right? Yeah. How, from a leadership perspective, what is that, you know, how much time should I be spending on strategy Versus tactical as a leader. As a leader, I in my reading they would tell me I'm like eighty percent strategy, twenty percent tactical. As in my role, mm-hmm. I think the farther down the chain is probably the, the percentages get a little skewed. I would think that in an ideal world, um, in a leadership position, in our firm, I would think probably it's sixty forty uh, tactical to strategy still. Um, and maybe that's a little high, maybe it's 75, 25 tactical to strategy, but I feel like strategy needs to be a part of, that's the challenging it part of our world. Um, owning it for me, just make sure, like you said, it with, if, if somebody comes to our door and Rose had to step away, I would expect someone to greet that person. Hey, how are you doing? Great to see you. What can I do to help you? Oh, you're here to pick up payroll. Great. Let me get, let me go get that for you and help them. Or, you know, I, I just expect us, you know, if somebody sees a piece of trash on the floor, I help them to pick it up. 
that's my expectations. I think uh, that's the idea of owning it. That's the brand. Do whatever it takes to get the job done that day. What What about so if you're if you have some new leaders that are coming in, what are the critically important things to get right off the start? Um, let me rephrase this another way. Where are the areas that you find that new leaders fail in the most? Trust. Trusting, trusting, trusting the team, trust, but verify the team, you know, like you making sure that you're not delegating the responsibility, you're not abdicating the responsibility of getting the work done, you're delegating it. And so you're still holding your team accountable. Um, but at the end of the day, it's your job to be responsibility to get the work done, but it's your job, you're not just, it's not blind trust. You can't just be abdicating that responsibility. I've delegated to you, you're going to do it. You, you've got it. You got to hold up with it. Yeah. And, but it, that trust, that trust piece is super hard yeah what I, about you i find communication yeah uh, commu that's it kind of ties into that a little bit um lack of clear expectations you know like it let's pretend yeah. for exa example that i was going to put some money in place to lead our payroll team and if i just said hey you know what go lead the team and that's you know that's that's really it there's no clear expectation of what that actually means or what that actually looks like i'm setting them up for failure and uh or not you're setting them up for failure, but they may not fail. They may not fail. They may because I'll be honest. I didn't do a great job of telling you that when I went to run peril, but you you took the ball and run with it, and we kind of figured Correct. it out. But that doesn't mean I was very clear. I, I want you to run the peril team, and and this is how I want you to do it. And I don't think that's the norm, though. Yeah, I think the norm is you you got to have some clear guide rails and um, I don't know metrics or some. We had a good expectations setting. of what we wanted it to be, even in the very beginning. It was. Hey, we want consistency between clients. We want to have it routine. We want to teach our clients to have, be successful. We want to use a system as to, to a philosophy of how we were going to run the business. Correct. That was not maybe written down, but it was clear what we wanted to happen. Yeah. I think, you know, if you look at all of our team leaders, you know, we, I think they all have a good expectations of what they, what does we look in their role today? And we may not have had it written down before, but we do now, but mm -hmm. they all had per, pretty clear expectations, but it's very, easy to get lost in that way. It can't just be, let them go. Yeah. And, and, and one way that I think that we're a little bit different though, you know, as a service-based business that has a very clear, well, the, what the terminology we use internally is the sandbox that we play in. And we, we operate really, really well in that sandbox and we know not to get out of it because things start to go off the rails. But if I'm in an organization that is maybe a product-based business or um, that doesn't have a very clearly defined sandbox, those expectations are much, much, much more unclear because I could say, hey, you know what, my, Matt, you're going to go lead the, um, I don't know, the toy division of our mm -hmm. retail shop. And we don't sell any toys, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that maybe, but, yeah. and, I, and I don't, and I, I don't think tell of, you, hey, this is what development of that I always division looks think like. of this as like the landscaper or I'll say the, the guy in construction who could do a million different things and who hasn't decided yeah. they're going to do fences versus you know, remodels versus new homes. Or I think of the marketing firm who says, yep, I can do any type of marketing you want. Digital, print, online, I create websites, I do logos. But you do all those, maybe not as good as you wish you did. I think of that. And so when you're giving people guidance, it helps to go, I want you to go do this one, this, mm -hmm. this, this way. This is a service we're going to offer. We do have done a great job of defining our boxes of what we sell and what we do not sell. And that creates a lot of clarity. But if you're just now adding a layer of leaders that are around you and you don't do that, 
you're not setting them up for the absolute way of success because they're going to go run with their ideas of what that role should look like instead of what that role looks like in your mind. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, because we, we're going to talk about this in OnRamp on Thursday, the, the managers slash leaders in your organization have to operate within the umbrella that is defined by their leaders over them. And to the extent that they operate outside of that umbrella, they're at risk of their own personal They're going to get wet. They're going to get wet. They're going to get wet. Yeah. And uh, that's that's really important to define from the top leader's standpoint to say, this is the sandbox that we want you to operate in. And you get out of the micromanagement piece by not necessarily giving all the details of how or what you're going to do, but these are the guardrails in which you're going to operate. Makes a ton of sense That has to to be defined. And if it doesn't, Things are going to get sad. And as we've expanded into services that aren't as clearly in our sandbox, it, that is when our lack of clarity has provided opportunities for friction. Not necessarily just, hey, this isn't where I wanted to go. And this person doesn't really know where they were supposed to go. And next thing you know, we have this little friction there that can be fixed. But mm-hmm. it usually is, we need to clear that up. Mm-hmm. We need to understand. And we, we've had that happen you know, recently. We'll probably have it again. But defining what we sell when we're kind of outside of our norm as we continue to grow and expand into additional yeah. services has been where we have some issues. Yeah, and, and and especially if you get if you have that shiny object syndrome where I don't ever have that. The mind. next greatest thing is popping up, and it's like, well, we don't really have that in our sandbox, but I'm kind of intrigued by this, and maybe yeah. we need to create a sandbox for it. Well, there needs to be a little more developed thought behind that than hey, let's just That's hire somebody in place. I just say my magic phrase. I'm thinking out. I'm loud. thinking out loud. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> you know, we don't really. Uh, Shiny object syndrome in our world is more how can we stay in our sandbox better more than yeah. add sandboxes, but there's plenty. Of, well, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of people out there that I run got one by the way. We'll talk to you about later. Yeah, I <laughs> got a, got a great business opportunity. I actually do. Um, but you know, maybe we want to add this new product or maybe this new line of service or whatever it may be. And sometimes it's easy just to think, well, I can go hire somebody that has a lot of experience doing that and let them do that. And yeah, but they're also going to come with a bunch of preconceived ideas of what that looks like that may be different than what but, you actually um, yeah. is up in your brain. And my problem is I have ideas in my head that I can't articulate to my mouth. Yeah. It happens from time to time. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with that. And so it's really, really important to be clear. Well, you didn't finish that sentence. You said, I think there's a lot of people that struggle with that with you. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I think that you struggle with this all the time. Yes, I know. No. Uh I, th- I mean, I, it's true. Everybody struggles with that to some extent because we think in pictures. Mm-hmm. We communicate with words and our pictures and our words don't always line up. You have up. a dream house in your head. Yeah. And you put it on. Yeah. You articulate and I'm not an artist. Therefore, when I start to draw that out and color it, maybe I chose the wrong color gray because in my head, I don't know how to make that color gray or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, you do. It's the same color gray that everybody uses. It's the repose gray, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's simply white, yeah. Simply white. Yeah, but I mean, but that's absolutely true. We think in pictures, but we communicate with words, and those two things don't light up. We, I mean, goodness gracious, I, I have a lot of experience talking about this type of stuff in, uh, um, like, marital counseling type situations where, you know, one spouse has this grandiose idea, and their words are painting a completely different picture to their their spouse, and their spouse's you know, all on board with going this direction and the other spouse is saying, but wait, that's not really the direction, but that's what you said it was, but that's not what I meant it was. And uh, that happens in business all the time, all the time. And so to be unclear is to be unkind. And that's why I think it's really important, especially if you are the leader that's being asked to step up into a leadership role. What I did with you early on, You're very is clear. I said, yeah, very clearly, I will do this as long as I get to do it. I am not going to do this if you're going to try to do it through me. 
And what I, I didn't mean like, hey, you know what? You don't have any input or any feedback, but ultimately this has to be able to be done my way or I can't do it successfully. And I think it's important that leaders- That's a lot of maturity though. That, that's not something that a leader often has the ability you, to do. If you have a new leader that doesn't have a lot of leadership experience, absolutely, that's a new realm. And that is hard for me as a leader, as I'm developing leaders going, hmm, I see this person can be a really good leader. I need them to take this and own take this leadership role this more yeah. and go, I got this, stay out of my way. Yeah. They don't do that. I'm going to want to jump in. But if they do do that, I'm happy to jump in. And that's way. the push pull of- hard. I need Super to trust hard. you, but I need you to take the reins in order to trust you more. Until you do, I can't trust you. Correct. It's, there's a tension. The rub there. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And it's hard. And I, Give a little, and, take a little. Give a little, take a little. And I, what, luckily, I say what we do really well is we do communicate well with our leadership group. And I do, I feel like I communicate well with each of my leaders. And I, and I feel like I'm open enough to say if something's not happening where I want them to say something to me, I think they all have the ability to do that. Trust. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Lincioni talks about in yeah. uh, Five Dysfunctions. You got to trust the people around you and speak, you know, raise your hand, speak up. And whenever yeah. something's going sideways. Yeah, I think everybody knows the intent. And that's yeah. why I feel like that's good. I think that one of our strengths is I feel like the intent of we're all in this together, look, trying to go in the same direction helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that we could talk. I got stuff written down here that we just aren't going to have time for. Um, but anyway, if you do have, if, if you're at that point where you've got to develop some next layers of leaders, or if you're wanting to grow or get yourself, like your, to your point, Matt, where you really want to kind of get out of some of those day-to-day -day operational or um, tactical sides of your organization, you got to really think about who's going to backfill because those tasks, that role is not just going to disappear because you don't want to do it anymore. It's going to have to be filled by somebody else. And to the degree that it doesn't need to be filled by somebody else, then really, why are you doing it? Right. But that's a, that's a conversation for another day. So let's finish things up. We talked uh, last week, we talked a little bit about um, you know, the difference between it's not personal, it's business. And, and how do it's we personal business? We walk that. What does that even mean? Right. And how do we walk that line? Um, the question, I think this is a really, really good question. Um, the question is, I'm getting pressure to hire uh, you know, friend or family member um, from, from my upper, upper people. Um, but I don't think that they could do the job. How do I go about saying, hey, you know what? This isn't a great fit. Don't, we don't hire friends or family. Let me ask this. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll put this personal to us and yeah. maybe we can talk about that way. Let's pretend like you came to Caitlin, who is our front door for anything recruiting and said, hey, Caitlin, um, I need you to hire. We're going to use that language. We're gonna, I want you to hire Becky. And Becky is my aunt and she needs a job and she's... Uh, you know, she, she is what she is, but we're going to hire her. How would you want Caitlin and then through that process, the other people that are involved to, to address that with you? That's super hard. If I've said, I want you to hire them, I want you to hire them. Yeah. If I said, I want you to interview them through the process, I want you to interview them through the process. I've hired people that I know aren't a great fit because I want to help them get through something. Um, I've employed my daughter who is an intern here well before she should be working here. And I go, well, but I, but, but I said, I want you guys to give her work. If she can't do the things, this was a couple of years ago. She's done a great job this year, but uh, oh, oh, two years ago when we hired, I'm like, I don't know what we're going to have her do. I'm going to clean, clean the closets. I don't know what we're doing. But the reality is, is it wasn't like, Hey, we're gonna put you through the interviewing process. Now, I have also had people who 
they're a friend of a friend or they're a friend of the family that I really don't know them that well. They've applied for a job and I go, I don't know this person in the work environment. I want you to put them in the normal paces. And I think that's fair to the person who I'm hiring as sure. well as to the to our team. That's a different answer. And we've disqualified a lot of those people. And it was just because, hey, they weren't a great fit for the job. If I ha if I'm getting like, let's say it was my mom's, you know, friend who is my mom's long-term friend and my mom referred us to and said, This lady, you need to hire this person. It's awkward for me as the owner. At some point, I might tell my mom, hey, we don't have a spot for her, or hey, this person's right. not going to be a great fit. I need to have a conversation with my mom who refers to him. And so let's go back to that first example, because I'm, I'm curious here, and I know we're running out of time. But if, if it was a, hey, I need you to hire Becky, and at some point, someone who you trust and understand and, and, and respect in our organization will have to come to you, or would it be expected to come to you and say, hey, Matt, I know that you said hire this person. There's zero percent chance that this is going to go well. How do you want that conversation to happen, or how should that go? Like that, yeah, like that. I'd want somebody I trust that. Well, and it it probably needs to come from the right person with a bigger perspective than you know someone else. I'm just uh, mad at you yeah. for trying to push my through. Yeah, correct. Um, that's a that's a tough I, that's a tough place to be. I really, I mean. I, I don't know if I've ever had that situation come up for me personally, but I would say I, I would, I would expect my team yeah. to kind of step, I would expect my team to step up and say, Hey, this is a bad idea. And we've had that happen before where I've had the idea that maybe hiring a spouse or hiring a friend of a, you know, somebody like that's, we're going to lose two employees when we lose one, if that doesn't work out and don't like that, that's not a good answer for anybody. But also it just puts us in a very awkward position that we're not, we need to hire people for the right reasons. And, and it's, you know, to help our team get better. Yeah, so. I, I, I think this is an interesting topic because it, it is a tough spot to be if you're, if you're a hiring manager or an HR for, or even just, a, you know, manager at an organization. And you're, you're saying, hey, you know what? I got this buddy who I think could maybe do the job. Let's go ahead and hire him and figure it out. And other people are looking over there saying, oh, Heck, my goodness, what this, this kid has no chance. Train wreck, right. Uh, that's a tough dynamic to work through. Yeah. And is, I, and. and I don't think we've ever really had that problem, honestly. Well, I mean, like we've had situations come up where I've circumvented our hiring process and, or somebody else has circumvented the hiring process in general. And, and, and I, and in hindsight, I go, it's worked out some, but also hasn't always worked out. Mm -hmm. and so I have to be willing to take that risk. And I also have to think of the turmoil that can cause. Um, I don't think I've had that any time recently where I feel like it was tumultuous, but yeah. Know. But also at the same time, the other people have to understand that this isn't, this isn't the only process that we're going to hire people off. We're going to do, we're going to do this 99% of the time, Correct. which isn't a hundred. And when that 1% pops up, it pops up right. and that's, that's gotta be Correct. to some degree. Okay. Because this place is still called Patrick County. Is it? Well, I, I've almost pointed back here thinking that it's going to be there. Better or something. I don't You're know. watching on YouTube. Just ignore that part. Right. Um, so anyway, I, it is, it's an, it's a, it's a interesting uh, topic, interesting idea. So if you guys are out there listening, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Um, if you have any questions about anything that we're talking about, or if you even have some managers or leaders that are struggling to, to take those uh, reins from you and you need some help uh, talking about it, or if you just really want somebody to, to bounce ideas off of, this is something that we really, if you can't tell really Matt and that. I really enjoy talking about. Uh, and so give us a call, send us an email, we'll be glad to help. Thanks, everybody. Y'all have a great day.